Hello and welcome back to another episode of Fully Booked in which Craig Touch and myself chat to special guests about this crazy industry we're in of self-publishing. And today we have a very special guest, Brian Sacheta, who is a, an author, a blogger, a software developer, and he is here today to talk to us about an issue that maybe many authors don't think that often about, but uh, it's IP or intellectual property. So Brian, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is great. And of course, uh, we would not have the podcast if it wasn't for the man himself, Craig Touch, an author himself and the owner and founder of Hidden Gems. How are you doing today, Craig? I'm doing well, uh, Roland. Thanks. Um, yeah, this is, you're right. This is something not only that I think authors don't think that much about, but I think um, a lot of times uh, we don't take it seriously enough. Like we hear about it, we know about it, but it's like, is that really going to happen to us? Like, is it something that a regular author needs to worry about? Or is that something that a big corporation who has expensive IP needs to worry about? And that's not us. So who cares? Right. Um, but I think what we're going to hear is uh, a story from Brian about how uh, we do have to take this seriously. And um, in fact, he was, he was affected in a big way by this and he's going to, he's going to tell us what happened and then uh, we can go over, you know, what we can do about it to protect ourselves. So, Brian, thanks for, for showing up. And um, we, we definitely want to hear your story. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for having me. Why don't I just kind of jump in and then we can segue as, you know, as necessary or where it makes sense. Absolutely. I hope this one has a happy ending. I think we're still a little bit in the middle of the story, but we'll get there. So uh, long and short of it, right? I write a series of books. I have a brand called Get Out of Your Head. And so I started this as a passion project in 2017, just kind of a self-published author. Actually, somebody, I didn't really know anything about, uh, you know, clinical work, uh, being in a medical industry, anything like that. I had just suffered from uh, mental, mental health disorders throughout my life and had made a lot of progress with them and wanted to take some of that progress, bottle it up, put it into a narrative and put a book out on the market that spoke to some of my experiences. So this was a, when I say passion project, like this kind of felt like, you know, this is my life's work. This is my baby, that sort of thing. And obviously like, as you, as you get further along in the journey, that was five years ago, um, things change, right? It's like, I kind of look back on the first manuscript and I'm like, Hey, I've gotten a lot better as a writer. Um, some of that writing was not super strong, but it is what it is. And we're here today. So, you know, to continue the story, um, in, 2018, I published the book and it did okay, but you know, I'm a small time author. And so it's not gonna, even if you feel as though you wrote the best book ever and it's going to magically sell like hotcakes, it doesn't always work out like that. I think a lot of folks listening to this podcast will understand that or have been through that process before. And oh, so, yes. yep. So I was, you know, running some ads on Amazon, trying to get the word out there, guerrilla marketing, word of mouth and whatnot. But again, still, trying to find my my way, right? It's like I didn't have a platform to begin with. So that made it difficult. But um, so if we fast forward to 2019, the fall time, I was actually at, I was at my, um, my full-time job and I was working with uh, like a new uh, employer, new coworker. And he was like, hey, you were telling me about this book. What's the name of your book? And so he looks it up on Amazon and he's like, is that your book? And I'm like, no, what's that? And he points at it and he's like, that is your book, but it's not your book. And it's a book that looks a lot like mine with the same title as mine with a cover that looks similar to mine, but it's not mine. And it's from at the time I had never heard of this author, um, but uh, since then has become uh, a pretty big author and it's by a, a big five publisher. And so I'm sitting there as one of those kind of almost cinematic moments where you're like, I know that this is the beginning of something bizarre and I don't exactly know what's happening right now. And so fast forward a few months, that was, you know, my, my friend had found or my coworker had found that book on Amazon as a pre-order. Fast forward a few months, that book comes out, does really, really well in sales. And all of a sudden it's like, hey, Brian, who was the author of Get Out of Your Head, maybe he doesn't have that association anymore, right? Maybe that association is being changed uh, across the country as this person sells more and more books. And then about a month after release, uh, I was actually kicked off of Amazon for being called like I, I was Amazon said that I was copying this person. And at that point, I was furious. I was very angry. Uh, I had talked to lawyers before, like uh, 
shortly after my coworker pointed out that this book was on Amazon, uh, I immediately picked up phones and started calling lawyers and saying, what can I do, right? This person or this, this, this book looks a lot like mine. I, I don't want to make ac- false accusations or uh, unfounded accusations on this podcast because, you know, it's, uh, this stuff comes down to proof. Uh, and I don't want to uh, I don't want to necessarily point fingers, but the the facts of the matter were that there was a book out there that looked like mine. Right. That That's the only thing that I knew. And so I said, let me talk to a bunch of lawyers and see what my rights are here. Can I you know, can I sue? Can I pursue something on the legal side? I don't know. Um, I spoke to a bunch of them and they were kind of like, hey, uh, we hate to tell you this, but the name of a, a book is not defendable. The uh, the name like your book title, your book cover, unless you could, could prove that that somebody uh, basically recreated your like took your took your artwork and recycled it and turned it into theirs. You don't really have any grounds for a legal argument. Um, so at that point, I was kind of like, well, I, I'm very disappointed. I'm, I'm angry. I'm upset. But I, I don't know if I have anything here. And then after I got kicked off of Amazon, that was, I think, in March of, of uh, 2020. Uh, so I'm jumping around here a little bit. Sorry, but. Uh, in March of 2020, when I got kicked off of Amazon, I was, once again, I was so angry. And so I started picking the phones back up and I started talking to different lawyers. And we eventually got to the point where, um, I, uh, you know, I started working with a lawyer and he was like, hey, well, you can't, you can't trademark your one book. You can't trademark the name of a book. But what you can do, right, is uh, like trademarks cover brands and identities of brands. And so what you could do is if you're planning on writing another book, you can trademark the book series. And I was like, well, funny you should say that. I started writing the second book, uh, you know, I think it was summer of 2019. So we ended up going down that path. We filed a trademark for the brand. Um, And so, you know, now I've got the website, I've got uh, two books in the series, do the podcast, stuff like that. Uh, And so I I own this brand. And the the question is, so I'm probably providing a lot of different jumping off points here and uh, leaving it so that there's a lot of questions. Uh, but it, it kind of becomes like, okay, what what do I do next, right? Do I um, do I wait around, or do do I see that there is a violation of my trademark, and do I go after that? Um, do I think about you know the ramifications on the SEO side, on the sales side, the brand confusion stuff like that? There's a lot of there's a lot of different questions there, and it's it does get confusing for authors. But for me right now, right, it's like I'm focusing on what I can do, uh, letting my lawyer do what he can do. And um, there are definitely like some some things in the works in terms of like it feels as though, um, you know, there's a there's a, a trademark violation. But we're, we're 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 we are working through that and trying to see um, how that resolves itself. But that's my overall story. And then I think, you know, why I wanted to come on the podcast today was uh, not necessarily just to share that, but also to connect it back to what authors that are listening uh, to this podcast should care about, like. Why is it important that they file a trademark if if that's you know applicable? Um, does that matter for them? Could that help them? So I think I'm going to stop there and just uh, see what questions you guys have because that's a, probably a lot to take in. Oh, I have I have a lot of questions. I'm sure Craig does as well. Do you want to get start with yours, Craig? Uh, I mean, we probably have a lot of the same questions, but um, so just so I understand the timeline of it and how it all works. So you would publish yours first. This other author published theirs. You you then published your trademark after they had published theirs, and then um, uh, so now, how does the trademark infringement work if your trademark was was uh, was granted, I guess, or or filed or whatever after that other person had um, put out their book? Is that relevant even? It's it's a great question. It's one that we definitely have to talk about because you know as authors who are listening to this podcast will want to know, like, how would similar situations affect them, right? So uh, you are right in sort of alluding to the question or um, hinting at the idea that if a, like a violation is not a violation, if it happens before your filing of your trademark, right? So one of the things that I wanted to talk about on this podcast was the idea that, um, so there are, there's different ways that you can file for a trademark. So you can go um, you know, to the trademark office and say, I intend to use this trademark in the future, or maybe I am using it right now, but I'm not necessarily doing it. I'm, I'm not necessarily fulfill, fulfilling the use of every single uh, categorization. They call them classes of the trademark that I'm going to eventually use. And so maybe I'll just say, uh, for now, I intend to use this, even though I am using it a little bit right now. And in the future, when I fulfill all of the classes that I say that I'm going to offer products and services in, 
um, I will then say, I am using this trademark. Let's go and process it. So I think for an author, right? What I was having a conversation with a coworker recently, uh, and I said to him, I was like, look, it, it, I don't know if this person actually plans to ever write a series of books or anything like that. But if you have the money, it, it, you know, you would have to hire either, you'd either have to hire a lawyer or you'd have to file it yourself. And, uh, you know, one comes with a cost associated with it and the other comes with confusion. So uh, it's a difficult decision. But I mean, if you find a lawyer, like, you know, to file a trademark is probably not going to cost you more than a thousand, two thousand dollars, something like that. It's not a small sum of money by any means, especially for an independent, uh, independent author, but it's, it's also not going to cost you a hundred thousand dollars. So it's not totally out of the realm of possibility. But so what I was saying to my coworker uh, was I was like, if you had an idea for a book series or a brand or something like that, even before you actually start writing that book, before you start planning out the series or, uh, you know, filming a movie or something like that, file the trademark. And then that way, even if you are not actually fulfilling the use of the trademark yet, there is a protection there. Um, and so what happens is you can say, I intend to use this thing. And then the, um, the patent and trademark office will basically take your application in. And then if, you know, let's just say you file um, a trademark for Facebook, they're going to say, hey, somebody already has this trademark, like go away and we're, we're going to reject this, right? But if you file a trademark for a brand name that uh, is available, then they would say, okay, like we've gone through the process. We see that there's no potential confusion with other brands that exist already. And so we're actually going to put this thing up for a 30-day window where other companies can come in and uh, basically uh, object to your registration and say like, uh, you know, I I'm raising my hand. I use that brand. I, I, I don't think that that person should be granted that trademark. Um, after those 30 days, uh, you are basically like, so you're protected the entire time, but there's, there's more protection or at least uh, you feel better about your case in the sense that like nobody complained about you using this trademark. And so basically whenever you then have fulfilled uh, the trademark itself, right? So that would mean like actually writing your books uh, or launching your website or creating like a consumer consumer brand or something like that, you could then go back to the trademark office and say, look, here's all the evidence of me using this and fulfilling the trademark. Can you now process my application, uh, you know, finalize the mark itself? And then at that point, you would, um, if if everything goes according to plan, you'd get a, a registration number um, and, and that, that trademark would be filed with the office. But the important thing, right, is like uh, I talk about sometimes like uh, with some of my friends, like I, I love going to theme parks. And I read a lot of theme park blogs. And one of the writers that I read, he will say that uh, he'll go through the trademark uh, filings and say like, oh, Disney just filed this trademark for a ride. And it's like, well, the ride might not be built for four years, but they want to get that trademark name in there as soon as possible. So that way Universal or somebody else couldn't then um, beat them to it, if that makes sense. Yeah, it reminds me of so many different issues like uh, you know, people uh, cyber squatting on URLs, uh, you know, as soon as a company comes out and, and you know, if they didn't, uh, if they didn't register something to do with their product or whatever, then all of a sudden everyone started, you know, registering those URLs and then trying to sell them back to the company. You know? So it sounds like that kind of thing. And, and then your trademark too, is like, um, there was a case, I don't, you might remember the details about this more than I will, but it was, I feel like a last year, a couple of years ago, where some romance author tried to trademark. Hashtag Cockygate. Yeah. It, what was it? It was, it was, a, she was trademarking the word cocky. Yeah. Oh, let's get into that. But I, I have some quick, if it's okay, I just want to ask yeah, some yeah. very basic questions just first, because I know the book that you're talking about. Now, my understanding is you published your book in 2017. I thought it was in 2018. 2018. And then this book was published in 2020. Correct. And yet you got kicked off Amazon. That is correct. And they're different books. I mean, I know they've got the same title and you can't, I mean, the, the whole thing is you can't like, uh, you, you can't uh, own a title. It seems so backwards that you wrote a book, somebody else wrote a book afterwards and yet you got kicked off. I mean, that's because they had random house behind them, isn't it? It's the, that, that seems is, egregious. Now your book's back so. on sale on Amazon now, isn't it? I am back on sale on Amazon. Yep. How difficult was it to, to achieve that? That was like, I don't want to embellish. Right. I mean, like, and I don't want to say the wrong thing. Um, for me, that was really difficult there. I, I'm, I'm not trying to compare like apples and oranges, right. It's like, I'm not trying, like, I'm not sort of trying to say this is like some great tragedy, right? Um, but in terms of my writing career, like, and also my full-time career, like I had to take a vacation day from work 
uh, to just hound Amazon on the phones uh, and figure get to the bottom of this solution, one of, uh, get to a solution to this problem. One of the issues with dealing with a large company, um, you know, Amazon or Facebook or something, Instagram, like I had a friend who lost their uh, Instagram handle recently, they got hacked and they just couldn't get in contact with a real person. They were talking to bots, right? And so the same thing was happening to me where it was like, hey, if I can just get through to somebody, I will explain the issue. I, you know, I actually had, uh, and this is a, you know, a different topic, but I had my copyright letter, like a registered copyright letter for the, for the work. And I can just say, here's proof that, I, you know, it shouldn't even matter because my book came out well in advance of uh, the other one. Yeah. But here's my letter. Please just reinstate, uh, you know, instate me on the website and we're good to go. I, I probably hound, you know, I probably was banging the phones for 48 hours, something like that, nonstop. I didn't even sleep for two days. So it was pretty crazy. And I, I just think to myself, like, if I didn't do that, I, I don't know if I'd ever get back on. And, you know, the amount of time that I spent not on the website, like the like calendar days, wasn't incredibly long. But if it's like, hey, I only if somebody is in a position where they're like, I only have 30 minutes a day to dedicate to this issue, like you might not be back on the website for two months. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm experiencing that at the moment with Facebook. There's just no customer service. These things are so big that there's no one to talk to. So it's I'm crazy. so happy that you got your book back. Thanks. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And I think you're right. I think if you hadn't done that, there's no way you would be back at all. Right. Amazon is shoot first ask questions never right they they don't care like they'll just take action and then it's on you to sort of prove your innocence as you know because they assume you're guilty right away that's just their default i get it from a massive corporation point of view they just can't you know follow up with every single case and there are tons of people doing the wrong thing trying to scan them i i get it but as a somebody who is on the wrong side of it or in the sense of like it's 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 you've been treated unfairly and and it shouldn't have affected you it sucks and i mean i'm actually surprised that it only took you 48 hours uh we've heard all sorts of horror stories where it takes far longer if at all i think uh, we're all blaming amazon as well but i i imagine that it had to be the publisher was like this book's got the same title as ours let's hit him with a copyright strike and they had the power to do that and it's so it disgusts me that amazon that shouldn't have never that should have never happened amazon should have been like this book was published two years earlier of course it's not yeah so uh, it's good that you brought that up i will say that i later on had my lawyer reach out to Amazon. And this is frustrating, right? Because it's like, you know, lawyers charge hundreds of dollars an hour. So I was trying to get through to Amazon to figure out once I was uh, reinstated, what actually happened where I got kicked off? Because I'm sitting there like, how am I going to believe and trust that this isn't going to happen again in a week? How? And also I was curious, like if there was a false, you know, takedown notice or something like that, that would be really good for me where, you know, I could then go to the courts and say, you know, these people are, playing bully ball. And, and I don't like this. We found that when we, when my lawyer reached out to Amazon, what they responded, what they said was that the content content team reviewed a bunch of different books. Um, and they, they flagged my book for being similar, uh, to a bestseller. So I don't, you know, we could chalk it up as a mistake. I don't know. That's again, I don't want to use like the wrong terms here and make the wrong people mad. I will. It, it was very frustrating though. It's very hard for me to not Stay, say that right regardless of good intentions bad intentions i don't know it was just frustrating yeah, you were being you know, a lot more christian about it than i would be <laughs> <laughs> well and here's the thing right this is what i this is why i don't really put a lot of stock in that answer because you know there's there's two problems with that one is if there actually is a content team not a bot team <laughs> which is more likely i think but let's say there is a content team. Why would they be comparing against bestsellers instead of comparing against uh, publication date? Like, if that if their goal is to be looking for for violations like this, the number one violation clue is who published first, not who's sold more. <laughs> like, that's ridiculous. That's just that doesn't even make any sense. So to that's me, why I think the publisher must be behind it. Well, or it's a bot system, you know, like they, you know, their, their bots went through and, and noticed some similarities or whatever, and, and just auto, auto 
blocked you because for whatever reason they probably have a you know you're a computer engineer and you probably know like they probably have different criteria maybe bestseller is one of them but maybe has a publisher is is one of them right or has a, a big five publisher is one of them you know like who knows right you right speculate all day i so. i think just interesting point there is either of those possibilities there's something wrong with it right either yep. either there was a takedown which I, I i i'm not making that claim i don't know um but that would be bad or there's a bot and there's an algorithm out there that is not coded properly right i yep. like you said i i do software development full-time all you have to do is say in the comparison check you know, did this product come out before that one? It's pretty easy. Yeah, so that that was what was really frustrating for me. It was like, I don't have a good answer on either path. I'm, 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 I'm going to say it was a bot. But even at that, there was a problem there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so in terms of, like, you got it back. And I guess, you know, you made whatever argument, which was, probably hey mine was published first right and it was that the argument that got you back on i can't even tell to be honest i can't even tell you what it was that got me back on and one of the reasons was because you're you're interacting with a lot of bots when when you go back and forth with their team i got i got one email that said if you don't provide a filed copyright letter within 24 hours you'll like you'll be banned forever and i'm like okay well I don't think that should be the case, but thank God that I actually filed this thing. And thank God that I filed it long ago enough that I actually have the letter in my hands. What would happen if I, if I published the book and then a week later I get a takedown, maybe I'm just banned forever. I don't know. So, uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a tough, it's a tough, um, tough matter. And I, I feel like I didn't even answer your original question, but, um, well, rem- and, uh, I guess I was kind of leading somewhere, which was, if they if they admitted it, which is very likely why they never admit anything, uh, you could then catch them in the sense of okay, well, if you're saying you you now realize that I was the one in the right because I published first, why didn't they go to the other person and say you're the copy, you should be taken down because this other person was first? Yeah, so I think I think that sort of speaks to the issue of like there really shouldn't be a problem in general if you look at the law and you say that book titles are not trademarkable. It doesn't matter if you're big, small, first, last. You should be good to go. That uh, is a right. very valid point. I mean, yes. it, these books have the same like concepts, but they're different books, aren't they? Once you, once you dive into them, yes. I think the issue is that, uh, and this is probably a subject for another day, but I get a lot of people email me, text me, whatever, and they're like, wait a second. That book, like it says on the front, like, you know, it basically paints itself as a mental health book. And it, and it kind of is, but it's also a religious book. And it's like, you wouldn't know that by the front of the, you know, by the cover. Well, that, that was actually going to be my next question was whether or not it was really, it, it was it a content issue then, right? Like, was there actual similarities in content? I, I don't think so. So I did my diligence. I actually read the entire book. Um, there, it was not that similar. So I would say no to that one. You know, I, there was a caveat or a, you know, a sort of gotcha on my last answer was where I said, like, you know, if you're first, last, big, small, it shouldn't really matter. One of the things with trademark law is you can file a trademark for a series of books, right? So, for example, like Harry Potter, I can't go write a book called Harry Potter and the, you know, the enchanted book bookshelf or something like that. That would allow me to get taken down. But in a case where neither person owns a trademark on the book title or, or like, you know, the series that uh, the, the title that is turned into a series, I don't see why it was an issue other than, um, you know, ma- I, it's tough. I, I think, Craig, you kind of you you alluded to it in saying that you get it from a big publisher, not not a big publisher, but a big company standpoint where it's like they probably deal with violations and, and bad people or, you know, bad actors all the time. And so they have to act fast. So I'm, you know, I'm. I understand that. I get that. And so I'm not really necessarily arguing against that, but it's like there are two things can exist at the same time. I can understand the high level piece of it and I can be really mad about the low level piece when I am directly involved in it. And I think that's the thing that that really gets me. It's all very well for publishers to like throw their weight around, but at the end of the day, like this is that something that's devastating to you as an author to do that. And it's, and it's heartbreaking. 
and I mean, these things happen. We've got, we'll talk about Cocky Gate, but I remember uh, I wrote romance novels and I remember writing two chapters of a romance novel and I was going to call it Irish. And I paid $200 for the cover and I came up with a concept. It was all about an Irish immigrant in New York who is a fighter and he needs to have an arranged marriage. And then I Googled and there was a book called Irish, which was a romance novel about uh, an Irish fighter trying to get a, an arranged marriage. And it was like, I stopped writing my book immediately because they were very similar, even though they were different wow. books. We came up with them independently. Yep. But it's like all that your book shares is the title and you still got dinged. It just seems so wrong. It was definitely frustrating. I will say at some point when Amazon put me back on the website, they said, all I got was they said, this was an error. Your books are available again. And so it's like, they they told me it was an error. So I'm believing it. And, you know, in some ways it's like, it's just nice for somebody to say like, Hey, I messed up or something like that. I don't know all the actual root causes or what actually, what actually unfolded. But I, I guess I, you know, in a lot of ways as an author, right. It's like, I have to turn the page literally and metaphorically speaking. It's like, I, I, I have to go write more books. I have to focus on my brand itself. I can't necessarily get caught up in the emotion uh, of being in the weeds of the legal work all the time. What, sorry, when, when was the, when was all this uh, going on? When did you get uh, kicked off? Uh, sorry. Yeah, that was March of 2020. Okay. Yeah. Cause I'm thinking back now to, uh, we wrote a couple um, I wrote a couple articles on the Amazon appeal process uh, back in January, 2022, when a lot of this very similar case was going on and it was actually, it was really widespread. A whole bunch of authors, mostly romance authors were getting kicked off of Amazon and getting these notices that there were violations and whatever. And, it, you know, in a lot of cases, it sounded like it was bots gone mad, but, but the main issue was how difficult it was for them to get back. And the fact that, there's no way for them to appeal and there was no way for them to contact Amazon other than exactly what you said. Like I remember, um, you know, the, the one case that I had uh, cited in the article was, uh, it was Lexi, Lexi Ostro. Um, and she wrote a three part blog about it at the time too, where she just, her whole catalog got wiped out, not for any real reason. And she lost tons of money just in lost sales and, and it wrecked one of her releases at the time. And, um, and she was only able to get back on after like, just, just beating, beating the, the phones and the emails and like contacting every single person she could. And it just, it was it's so unnecessarily difficult because even though they have the, they have to do this, this process of, you know, getting, doing something automated to get rid of all the bad ones. And I completely do think that they have far more people doing bad things than they do, you know, the, the, the cases that shouldn't be, shouldn't be uh, blocked, uh, you know, by mistake or whatever. They need some process where when it does happen, you can appeal it and you can, and it, like a simple process where you, because the people that are doing the bad things that are, that are intentionally screwing around, they're not going to be appealing it. They're not going to be saying, Hey, Amazon, can you look more deeply into my case? <laughs> they're not going to be calling any more attention to it. Right. So it's not like all of a sudden, if they have an appeals process, all the people trying to break the rules are going to be appealing. So, it, I mean, it just it angers me. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. I, I actually read those blog posts and it, I mean, I'm using the wrong word, but a little bit of PTSD for me there, just, just kind of hearing that. It, it's definitely frustrating. And I think, you know, kind of zooming out and bringing the conversation back to the listeners, like what, why should they care? What, what's important for them here, right? Is like, if you are that, that woman who was kicked off of Amazon and you lose sales and it, it ruins one of your launches, it's going to put you in a position where you say to yourself, should I even be doing this? Should I be writing books? Should I quit? Should I give up? Whatever is the, is the, you know, is the deck stacked against me? And I think luckily or fortunately, in some cases, if you put the right measures in place from a trademark standpoint, if, if it's applicable, right, early on, then you will avoid some of those cases. I'm not saying you're going to avoid all of them, but at the end of the day, we want to, we're authors, right? We want to be able to focus on the work itself. We don't want to be yeah. stuck dealing with trying to get our books back up for sale, dealing with you know, erroneous takedowns uh, and, and getting caught up in all the the emotions that, you know, maybe get foisted on us that we don't necessarily deserve. So it, it's it's definitely an important uh, topic. 
I, yeah. It's so interesting to talk to you about it because there was a case of a malicious like copyright thing a few years ago. Whereas, and it's two sides the the thing. It's um, it seems it's really heartening to see like you've researched and made this copyright thing, and it seems like you're doing everything right. Um, and then there are other people who abuse that system as well, which is the the problem. There was a um, Cockygate. There was a romance author. I can't remember her name. It's some ridiculous name, Felicia or something like that. Felinia. And she had a bunch of books. It was like cocky roommate and cocky cowboy and cocky uh, lawn service person or whatever. And they're all about the falling in love and stuff. And she uh, filed an official copyright for the word cocky and then took a bunch of other authors who had cocky in the title of their books off. There's one author who I'm quite friendly with. Could, uh, uh, I can't remember her name. <laughs> she wrote a book called Cocky Cowboy. And it was very popular, had a lot of uh, a lot of reviews and things. And it got removed because of this uh, trademark thing. And there was a huge scandal about it. And it's like there, the, even the copyright can be used maliciously. Uh, but at the same time, for someone like you, it's the only thing I think that can protect your brand. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, Roland, when you were telling that story, one of the things that I guess frustrates me is I'm not a lawyer, so I'm not pretending as though I know exactly how all this stuff works. But if you have a trademark for the word cocky, you do not have a trademark for cocky cowboy. And so there is something going on where, again, it could just be, hey, we're a big public, uh, excuse me, we're a big retailer. We're feeling pressure from some lawyer, from some external organization. And so we're just going to act quickly because we don't want to have to deal with this. But at the same time, and, and that, that's sort of, you know, there's a, there's a little bit of logic there. But at the same time, that is not how trademark law works. And the trademark that that person either had or applied for or whatever, in theory, that person may, if, if they said to the retailer, hey, kick all these other people off because of my trademark, there's some negligence there. I, I, I don't, I don't want to say what, what those people are entitled to or not because I'm not a lawyer, but I would be very upset if I, was, if I were those people and, and I think that that woman would receive a letter from me. Well, I think I, she got a lot of letters. I think. Yeah, she got <laughs> taken to court by the Romance Authors Guild of America, and she lost. I'm happy. There you to go. Say. That's uh, there you go. But I mean, she caused a lot of authors a lot of harm because she literally she trademarked this one particular word, and then went after everybody who used that word. And of course, as you said, it's like the once the wheels start turning and the systems go into place, and Amazon is kicking people off for trademark infringement, even though it's not a legitimate trademark infringement and it's just yeah it's so frustrating you're right we just want to focus on writing and publishing books don't we and right you know it could also be like depending on what you're working on like i you know i work in the mental health space or i write in the mental health space i want to focus on helping people and here i am like you know spinning up ceases and desists and stuff like that it's like I, i i want to be focusing on letting people live normal lives right and so it's it's frustrating when it's like i'm i'm way off the path certain days and I wish it didn't have to be that way, but I don't know. That's where I am. Well, speaking of which, let's let's refocus now to helping people and uh, to how we can, like, what's the advice and what's the, the way forward for people to, you know, obviously this isn't going to um, affect everybody. And especially when we're talking about fiction authors, obviously, I mean, you know, Harry Potter is an example of a fiction case where it, it is very relevant. Um, but, you know, if somebody's writing a book and it's a fiction book, first of all, even if it becomes super, um, you know, popular and there is something they could have trademarked, I think for most people, you're not even in that headspace of thinking, I should trademark this. You know, when J.J. Rowland wrote, wrote the first Harry Potter, I imagine she had no idea it was going to explode the way it did. And she probably didn't uh, trademark Harry Potter or anything until much later, right? So, you know, how do we, you know, what do we trademark? How do we decide when to trademark? And is it just for series and, you know, all those kind of questions? Yeah, it's it's a great question. I think that I think that part of the answer is, yes, it's, it's sort of for series. I think part of the other, another part of the answer is that hopefully folks are listening to this podcast and getting this information now because I, I totally agree. It's like, as an author, you kind of shouldn't have to deal with this stuff. You, you shouldn't need to be in this headspace. But unfortunately, you may find yourself down the road in it and be like, oh, man, I, I wish I did something earlier. I know I find myself in that space some days. Um, so it's like, if you're listening, I think the advice is think about what you are maybe going to bring to market in the future. 
if you write a book, like and there'll be a lot of folks uh, listening to this podcast that write, you know, romance, sci-fi, maybe series, something like that, right? So if it's like, if I'm writing a romance series and it's, I, I'm totally making up a name, but it's like the, the Adventures of Jane and John Doe or something like that. And that person says, hey, I, yeah, I'm, I'm only working on book one, but like eventually I, I, I dream of there being 10 of these books. That person should think about maybe filing a trademark for the inve- the adventures of J- John and Jane Doe or something like that. I think that's fantastic advice. Yeah, I wrote a, a series about the Knuckleheads Motorcycle Club and there is a Knucklehead saloon down in uh, Kansas City in Knuckleheads gangs and stuff. And it's like, maybe I should trademark that because otherwise I could end up getting in trouble and listening to this and like, I need to get cracking on that. So how did you even go about it? Yeah, so I, 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 I have a friend who uh, works in the legal field. So I reached out to him. He was at uh, an attorney's office and he was like, talk to my boss. I talked to, I talked to that guy. Um, he was kind of like, you know, I'm not an IP person. So you, you want an IP lawyer. And uh, it, you know, the, the impetus for me doing this was, was me, you know, seeing this other book coming down the pipeline from a big five publisher and being like, this is bad because this is supposed to be my brand. And I don't know what's going to happen here. And then also getting kicked off of Amazon and, and seeing, um, you know, that this book has done really well. It's like, I mean, I don't really care how many books this person sells. I just care that my brand is my brand, you know, and I think most authors would feel that way. Uh, the issue is when you've written uh, the adventures of Jane and John Doe and all of a sudden somebody else has and the the buzz around the country is that, you know, Roland didn't write that series, but uh, Jimmy did. It's like, mm, that's, you know, that's a problem for you. So um, the impetus, again, for me was just wanting to protect the brand. And then I started talking to different lawyers. I will say one thing that was so funny was I, I talked to a, I had a bunch of different friends connect me to folks. And I was like, look, I'm just going to keep going until I find someone. And so I talked to a big corporate lawyer uh, and he was like, look, it doesn't, obviously it doesn't make sense. We, you know, we do law for like big, big corporations. We charge a ton, a ton of money. Um, but let me make you a recommendation to a small, like a friend who does IP law. And I talked to that person and he was like, unfortunately, I can't represent you. There's a conflict of interest. Uh, I'll let you read into what that means. Um, but so I was like, okay, that's really interesting. You never know who you're going to talk to. And then, uh, I got a recommendation to a different lawyer, uh, IP lawyer, you know, smaller, uh, firm or smaller guy. And, and that's who I'm working with now. We've been working with, together for a couple of years. Uh, he did the trademark for me, like the filings, uh, and, you know, working on the, the demand letters and stuff like that. So, um, some of it is right. It's a, it's a, a matter of necessity, right? If you find yourself in a situation where you feel like you need to do this thing, then you get pushed into it naturally. I am hoping that folks that are listening to this podcast are instead saying to themselves, because I'm here, because I'm listening to this content, I'm going to be proactive because I know what products I'm going to bring to the market down the road. Yeah. And I mean, you can choose to use it just to protect yourself, right? To keep yourself from being booted off of Amazon, from having your, you know, being told that you're not the person who made you know, this thing and you're like at least able to pull that out and be, yes, I am. Right. Or you could wield it like a mighty sword and go after the person who, you know, did this to you. Right. So my question is, were you going to do that? Did you do that? <laughs> yeah, did I mean, you, we, you we've sent some, we've sent some demand letters. I think this is one of the other difficult things, right. Is like, as a, you, you, as a small, small author, one, your, your budget is ine- inevitably going to be smaller than a, a, a top five publishing house uh, in the U.S. They have much, you know, deeper pockets. They have lawyers on staff, so that right there makes it difficult, right? It's like uh, I'm not going to say how much I'm willing to put into this effort because, um, you know, that's important information that that you know the publisher may want to know. Uh, but I've spent some money on this, and you know, we are we are trying to pursue it. We've sent some letters. Um, I think you know the difficulty, right, is like if your rights and why rights, I mean, like if you. If you don't file your trademark at the right time, if the the law is murky around like, okay, well, you know, they did publish this and then there's sort of this other violation over here, but, you know, we'd have to go to court and the, the judge would really have to dig into the case law and figure out, they may even have to, you know, it may be a new kind of decision where precedent gets set. Us small authors don't probably don't want to go down that road. It, it, it costs a lot of money, right? And so I guess what I'm saying is, if you were to start on day one and say, I'm going to publish this series, I'm going to create this brand. And because of that, I'm going to file my trademark today. Then your rights are going to be much, they're going to be as strong as they can be. Uh, and then when you go to somebody who is violating uh, your trademark, they may, uh, it, uh, the tough thing is they're, they're, they're rarely going to strongly admit 
their their fault or their guilt, right? But if you say like, look, this is very clear and obvious, then you have a better case, right? And your chances of settling with that party are stronger. Um, the the odds that they want to go to court are lower because they know that they will lose. So it's all about you know precedence, priority, uh, the, the the strength of your rights, and the timing of all this stuff. So yeah, for me, I mean, I'm continuing to pursue it. But I, there is definitely a part of me, uh, a large part of me that wishes that I talked to the right people, you know, six months before I, I met my current lawyer. Uh, and we got this this squared away at that time because I, I, I would have a very strong case. Yeah. And I think, you know, it also goes to what your goals are. Like, I'm not suggesting like in general people would who would who would um file the trademark on something and then somebody else comes along and publishes something with a similar name or whatever, but it's clearly not meant to be a copy. I'm not saying they should, you should be targeting them. Right. But in your case where you actually had a lot of costs involved with this and you got pulled off of Amazon in that case, I'm not, I, you know, it's not like you're being vindictive in terms of going after that other person, but you are at least trying to get back what you've lost. You're not trying to say, Oh, I, you know, now I need to uh, earn every single, you know, you, you have to send me every penny you make for, for that song. And like, uh, <laughs> there's another example in my head about some really famous song. Uh, uh, I forget. Sam now. Smith had one recently. Uh, no, this is an older one where okay. it's like, they they sampled something yes. and they weren't supposed to and Happens then like every single time and it's a it's a it's a popular song and every uh, single time that you get played it, all that money goes to the original person there was i don't know how old we're talking but there was a robin thick song from 2013 that apparently sampled from a marvin gay song and the marvin gay estate apparently won that that case and i think they won a lot of money I, that, that's what i was yeah. told i took a music I think class it sounds like ago. it might be because i remember that one yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's not what you're trying to do, obviously, right? You're trying to just at least get back some of what you lost. Uh, yeah. I, I think the other thing too, though, right, is like you do want to protect the brand. And if the other party continues to violate your trademark and sell goods and, and basically uh, dilute your brand value, they are in some ways, like I'm not necessarily saying that I have tens of millions of followers and uh, that they are necessarily piggybacking off of that. I'm saying that they're, you know, stealing my brand's thunder. Um, and so it's like, if I were the Boston Red Sox, obviously the Boston Red Sox are a big, big brand, but if somebody goes out and sells, you know, jerseys, hats, t-shirts that say Boston Red Sox on it, and they don't have permission to do that, the Red Sox can be like, you basically just made money, uh, you know, that should have gone to us. Um, and so there is a, there, there's a path there where it's murky. It's hard to say like, Hey, you know, well, this person has a platform. So they sold some, some product on their own volition. Um, but at the same time, they did use your brand and you have a trademark for it. So um, that is a possibility. Right. But in your case, because you filed the trademark after they published their one book, would they now have to publish another book with the same name for you to be able to say, well, that was a trademark infringement? Not necessarily. Um, the So going back to like trademark classes, which are basically just like the categories in which you say you're going to deliver the goods. Um so I, I have two trademark classes. So one is in like educational services or educational like things that I provide. Uh, so it's kind of like my blog and, you know, pamphlets that I create and coaching services and stuff like that. Uh, and then the other one is, is a series of books. And so, uh, you know, somebody who is violating the trademark doesn't necessarily need to write a second book uh, and expand the, the, the book series. They could go do a tour, you know, say like this is the, the XYZ tour. And all of a sudden it's like, well, I have, you know, the trademark class for educational services. So this is creating a likelihood of confusion in the market, uh, you know, basically pitting my brand against theirs. Um, so there is definitely potential for, for um, I don't know, some damages there. It, it, it's trademark law. I mean, I think, I think all law, right? It comes down to very fine details, precedents, all that sort of stuff. So um, it, it's, it's confusing and it's definitely kind of uh, painstaking, but it, there's a lot of different possibilities given what your rights are, what the violations are. Right. I, it strikes me that, that one of the consistent things about this is when people get nobbled by these things, normally there is somebody with malicious or selfish intent behind it. With Cockygate, it was a writer with a huge ego deciding that she was going to swing her cocky around. And with you, it seems like there was a publisher who was just like, this book sounds like ours. We're going to hit him with a copyright strike because we're so big. We don't give an F. We're just going to like take it off. It always seems to be like this 
some malicious intent behind the way these systems get abused. Well, we yeah, don't know. I, we don't I know think, that right? for sure. We don't. Yeah, know we don't. What we happened, don't. Right? We don't know that. I, I think at the end of the day, like what it comes down to is is like I want to protect the brand. It's the same thing as like you know you see you see a, a mother at a at a park like you know yelling at some guy who's coming up to the kids or whatever. It's like that guy could have just been trying to be friendly, but the mother is like, I'm protecting my kids, you know? And so it's the same kind of thing where it's like, I have no idea what any intentions were. All I know is that this is my brand and I'm going to protect it. It could have been, you know, friendly fire or whatever you want to call it. Like uh, not even on somebody's radar, but it's my brand. And so, yeah, I, I, I plan to protect it. Right. And that I think is the important thing, right? It's, it's, it's your thing. It doesn't matter if people do it by accident or, I mean, if they're doing it by accident, you know, then then they're probably a lot more likely to want to resolve it quickly and be like, oh, sorry, we didn't even realize and change their title or whatever. Right. Um, especially if you come out of the gate with all that stuff worked out, which is what your advice is, is, you know, come out of the gate with it. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, it's funny. I've talked to a lot of different people along this process and a lot of them have been like, hey, you know, I, I see the, some striking similarities there. Um you know, the, the old saying, um, what is it? Uh, imitation is the, the greatest form of flattery or something like that. And I was like, look, like, there is something to that. But when you are an author and, you know, your brand is being uh, eroded against, somebody is taking, you know, your brainchild from you, uh, that, you know, the, the flattery doesn't really get you anywhere. I think also uh, for folks that are listening, right? It's like, let's say, you know, in, in the digital age, SEO matters a lot. If people go and type your brand, into Google and you're on the 10th page, guess what? Nobody's going to your website. Nobody's selling, you're not selling any products. Um, The other thing too is like uh, in terms of like Amazon keywords and advertising, if your brand is what you are using as a keyword to advertise against, and then all of a sudden, you know, some big company comes along and popularizes that term, that brand name, something like that. Guess what's happening to those keywords? They're going way up in price. So uh, it behooves yeah. all of us to to think about these things, uh, protect the brand on many different levels. Yeah, those are good points for sure. Well, listen, I think uh, this was very important information that um, really I hope a lot of people take seriously. I think we've given quite a number of examples about uh, the times where this has really um, hit somebody hard. And it's not just one of those things that, people talk about it and be like, ah, that doesn't really, you know, people say you got to protect your IP, but what's going to happen. Right. I think we've had a, quite a few examples here of what can oh, happen, yeah. you know? Yeah. So you don't need trick flood is, insurance until your house is flooded. You know? Uh, yeah. And you know what? <laughs> it's so true. And, and my house got flooded two years in a row back a couple houses ago. So I agree with that. <laughs> flood insurance was the best. So yeah, no, I, 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 um, I'm really glad that you came on here. And I, I mean, it sucks for the circumstances uh, that you had to go through this, but um, we learn from your pain. <laughs> so hopefully <laughs> that, that is part of the ethos of the brand in general. So, you know, it's like, I'm happy to do that. I, I look at this as like the entire brand, the experience. It's like, okay, what, ha- what has happened has happened. How do we do something positive? I'm not necessarily saying like, turn this into like, you know, kumbaya or something like that. But how do we how do we take a sliver of positivity away from this? Right. And that's, you know, that's that's what we're always trying to do here is sort of like give people the idea of, you know, what what they should do, what the best practices are, what they can learn from other uh, authors that have gone through things similarly. You know, there's some authors that want to protect their information and never want to share anything. And they figure like that's going to give them some competitive edge. I'm sort of the opposite where I think that, you know, you know, obviously I'm not saying share your IP, but you know, there's things that, you know, as a community, we can grow stronger by sharing um, sort of like what we've gone through and and the lessons we've learned. Most definitely. I, I find it so ironic. You wrote a book about, you know, overcoming anxiety. And then Amazon's like, it's cute. This guy's written a book about overcoming anxiety. Hold my beer. I'm going to give him some major anxiety. Now. Here's a lot of it. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, it's tough. And I mean, I'm not going to lie. There's like, I've dealt with depression as well. I have a book out on depression. It's volume two of the series. Um, some of those dealings, it's like, man, you find yourself in that dark pit when it's like, 
it doesn't seem as though your your books are going to get put back online. It seems as though you know the war against the big publisher is is totally over. It seems as though the world is not on your side. So um, it's definitely again just stressing the point of like it's it's worth it to give these ideas some consideration, whether or not you actually file a trademark, whether or not you actually hire a lawyer. Um, that's up to you, right? But but we're putting the information out there and letting folks make their own decisions. And I think this has been such a valuable conversation to have. We really appreciate you coming on board to tell us this because this, I mean, even to me, I'm like, you know what? This is stuff I need to take care of. I'm, I'm happy to hear that. It's great. So, Well, Craig, do you have any more thoughts before we wrap it up? And, and Brian, we're going to give you a, a chance to shout out all your stuff first. I just want to hear from the man himself. No, no, you know, listen, like we've said it all now. I, I really, really appreciate you coming on and telling us your story. And um, I know it brought up some painful memories for you. So, uh, you know, we appreciate you being willing to to go through the PTSD of all that again. Um, but uh, but yeah, let us know what else you're you're up to, uh, what other stuff you're you're producing. And uh, and let's plug something of yours, at least to give you some silver lining here. Cool. Yeah. Happy to do that. I saw your I saw the description for your book and I'm interested in reading your book because I have like crazy anxiety. So like tell us where people can find it, find more about you, find more about get out of your head. Yeah, so getoutofyourhead.com is probably the best place. Um on there you would find uh my books, my blog, my coaching practice. Um you can even buy some merch if you want. I have uh one of the branded t-shirts on right now. Um so it's a it's a bit of like a, a heavy metal kind of theme. Um, you know, really kind of striking a specific sort of sort of tone with the brand. Um, but yeah, get out of your head.com is a great place. Uh, I try to be frequent on Instagram. The handle there is also, uh, well, it's, it's get out of your head. Uh, both of those, uh, you know, there's no dashes or spaces or anything like that in there. Um, and then if you want to find like the books, like if you want to go right to Amazon, just type in my name. Um, it will be easier to find it that way rather than the, uh, you know, the, the published book that we, <laughs> we alluded to on this podcast. Right. Yes well thank you so much for that brian we will uh wrap things up but hopefully everyone who's listening to this has got a lot out of this we've had some really great guests on recently but this has been a, a fantastic episode so make sure if you're tuning to to drop a comment down below check out brian's books give us a like if you haven't already and a subscribe if you haven't already and thank you so much uh so much brian for joining us yeah thanks Ron. thanks craig uh good conversation hope we help some people so yeah thank thanks you. Fingers crossed. And we will be back next week with another episode of Fully Booked. So until then, stay tuned. Hold up. 